0: The Flying Scientist, Episode 3A. 3A? What? I thought you said we were going to Singapore. Well, actually, what happened after Episode 3 was that my great friend and colleague, Ken, who was with me in Indonesia, mentioned a few little episodes that I thought we really ought to cover before we moved on to Singapore. Like the way he had to bribe Indonesian customs to release the instruments for our regional training. We'd flown the Spectroscan 2800 UV spectrometer out there, and it had got stuck at uh, Sukarno Hatta Airport in Jakarta in customs, and they refused to release it against the paperwork we had unless we played them the whopping sum of 900 US dollars. Putting that through his expenses nearly lost Ken his job, but it had to be done. We couldn't do the training without it, and there was no other way of getting the instrument in time. These are the kind of things you have to face when you're doing international training, especially when you're moving around some of these less developed countries where corruption is almost part of a a way of life. Having got the instrument into Jakarta and into the Intercontinental Hotel where we were staying and the delegates would join us, we were able to set up for the training and were duly joined by 10 reps from the different countries around Southeast Asia, together with our Southeast Asia distributor manager, C.Y. Ko. Ko was an affable man in his early 30s with a young family based in Singapore, but he was also a damn good laugh and showed us a really good time around Jakarta, including some of the seedier bits, which I won't go into here, but which at the time were great fun. My flight log shows that we arrived in Jakarta on the 3rd of November 1988 and that I left to fly to yogyakarta on the 12th at some point between those two dates a major us election took place this was reagan versus carter and the intercontinental hotel in jakarta had been chosen as the site of the us embassy's overseas polling station for indonesia all us citizens were, who were registered to vote could show up there with their ballot papers and vote in person, and those votes would be counted and then transmitted back to Washington. It was a nail-biting contest. Carter had fallen in the popularity polls, and Reagan, the ex-B-movie actor and darling of the Republican Party, was moving up rapidly. No one really knew how that result was going to fall. I walked into the bar in the hotel on the evening of the poll, bearing in mind that Indonesia was ahead of the USA by some eight hours. So we wouldn't get the result until the next day. I started chatting to a couple of people in the bar while I waited for Ken to come down from his room before we went off for dinner uh, on the evening before the training. An affable young American guy came up to me and said, ''So, how did you vote?'' I said, "Oh, oh, you mean in the presidential election? Yeah, yeah. Did you vote for Reagan or did you vote for Carter?" So, well, actually, uh, I'm English, so um, I didn't vote for either of them. Well, why the hell not? So, well, we we don't get a vote. Only you Americans get a vote. Really? I thought everybody got a vote for the president. I've seen this attitude with the Americans before. Let me just recount another quick one for you, friend of mine took a fly drive holiday to Utah and his flight was severely delayed on the way into Salt Lake City, which meant that after picking up the car and driving to the first pre-booked hotel stay, they found that the hotel had let their room go. The chap on the reception desk was very apologetic and said to my friend Barry, "Uh, don't worry sir, there's a a smaller motel about five, six miles down the road, I'll give them a ring and uh, I'm sure they'll have a room. we'll be able to book you in there. By this time it was about 11 o'clock at night and all that uh, Barry and Liz wanted to do was get into a hotel. So they, they agreed. The gentleman, the gentleman, Julie, called the second smaller motel and said, oh, I have a guest here from England who's uh, driving with his wife and he'll be there right away in 10 minutes. Do you have a room? Oh, yes, you do. Oh, that's great. OK. Then to Barry, well, sir, they do have a room for you. You'll find it. It's right off the highway. So Barry and Liz made their way to this small motel which only boasted six rooms. He recounted to me that it looked a little bit like the Bates Motel from Psycho. As they walked up the three steps onto the porch, rattled through the screen door, a gentleman came to the front desk. Good evening, sir. Would you mind just registering for me on this card? This was before the days of computers and all of the record cards had to be filled out by hand. Barry started to fill out the card. Barry, Hatton, Cambridge... Oh, you're from Cambridge. Oh, Massachusetts is so lovely at this time of year. Actually, Barry said, we're we're from Cambridge, England. Oh, England, Cambridge, England. Gee, did you guys drive all the way? I've been accused of being Australian, New Zealand, even from Belgium by Americans who all they can tell is I'm not from their state. But we digress. Back to Indonesia. Having completed the regional training... We went off to make a series of visits with the local Indonesian distributor. And Ken reminded me that on the way to one of the towns we were heading for, we drove past a large tea plantation. Young women in coolie hats were dotted across the side of the slope where the tea was growing, picking tea. Would you like to try? said the agent. I couldn't really resist. And Ken and I were duly introduced to one of the giggling women who thought this was highly amusing that two western gentlemen in suits would like to try to pick tea. The knack, apparently, is only to pick the top three leaves from each bush, and so they gently work their way down the slope from bush to bush every day, picking the newly grown three top leaves. It's back-breaking work for these women, who are quite short and have big baskets for the tea on their back, The three leaves are tossed over their shoulder directly into the basket they wear coolie hats to keep the sun off but it can't be much fun doing that ken and i had a good go at it and we were able to pick a few leaves again much to the amusement of the women who have to do this for less than three or four dollars a day it really was an eye-opener for us later that afternoon when having completed the customer visit in nearby bandung we were taken to a hot spring In this hot spring, you had two plunge pools where you could bathe. One took the water directly from the geothermal active source at around 45 degrees centigrade. It was really way too hot for bathing, although Ken decided to try and brave it, and after five minutes came out looking like a lobster. The pool next door mixed cold water from a local stream with the geothermally heated water coming from the hot spring, and that made it far more bearable, and I was very happy to relax in that pool. After 10 minutes of gently relaxing in the warm water, it began to rain. Rain in Indonesia is a feature pretty much every day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, due to the equatorial climate. It rains solidly and torrentially for about 30 minutes, and then it stops. You can see the clouds building up all day over the big cities like Jakarta. And then it suddenly, the sky opens and it downpours. All of that water comes tumbling down over a 30-minute period, only to be evaporated again due to the heat of the ground, where it forms these wonderful clouds ready for the next day. The only problem is if you're sitting in a hot spring that's being fed from a geothermal source on a sulfurous volcano, when these huge drops hit the water, they splash. And if that splash gets in your eye, It's dilute sulphuric acid and boy does it sting. I quickly vacated the pool, washed off with some of the fresh water from the stream and took a seat under a banana tree to watch a puppy, a dog puppy, play with a chained young monkey. It was quite extraordinary to watch these two frolicking. The monkey was clearly also somebody's pet and about the same size as the dog. These two played blissfully for half an hour while I sat under the banana tree, drinking a cool mango juice and watching them. It was a magical moment, the sulphurous smell in the air from the hot spring, the warmth from the pool radiating through my body, giving me an incredible sense of well-being and being entertained by these two young animals, blissfully playing at the side of the pool.